Hello and welcome to Unpleasant Movies, the podcast dedicated to harsh and unrelenting cinema. My name is Svara Ogur. And I'm Thomas Simonsen-Barnbra. And today we are discussing a German movie, Der Freie Wille. Yes, or The Free Will in English. Yeah, from 2006. Um, Directed by Matthias Glasner. Yeah, uh, a director I'm not familiar with from before. Um, he doesn't well, seem to have a lot of information about him or presence online. Uh, he's done a lot of television and uh, a few feature films. This is actually the only film of him I've seen. Um, and it's the kind of a film that did well in festivals, but um, it's, uh, it's not weird you haven't heard of him otherwise, actually. Yeah. So um, the plot centers around uh, a character named Theo, by, played by Jürgen Vogel. Yeah, it's, um, he does a great job. The, the plot is interesting on the IMDb page. Uh, the plot keywords are as follows. Male objectification, male masturbation, erect penis, bloody face, man hits woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which does sort of um, uh, hit the key points of the brutality in this movie. <laughs> it kind of, yeah. Uh, it's it's about um, a, a rapist who's uh, been in treatment for nine years. He's released and he tries to reintegrate into society. That's the, the basic premise. And he meets um, a young woman named Nettie who he kind of uh, establishes a bond with. And yeah, has, the boss's um, daughter. And he has a, a social worker friend uh, who kind of helps him out initially, whose name is Sasha. Yeah, sort of a mentor to reintegrate into society. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so that's that's like the, the basic premise. Um, the film starts out with a quite intense scene with uh, Theo uh, working as a, a dishwasher at a restaurant and ha- ha- he has a, a, a burst of rage and, uh, you know, throws uh, glasses into the wall, scaring the other um, people working there. And then he marches outside, panting heavily. Uh, very yeah, it's, it seems like they're not doing their job or something. And he, and he has all this pent-up rage. So like, it seems like yeah, he has anger issues. Yeah, he seems like a very frustrated young man. Yeah. And um, he goes to his car and starts to drive. Yeah, and this then old he... uh, Opel cadet. It yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, doesn't really suit him. He seems like kind of a big guy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and then he just sees a cyclist, a female cyclist, and um, he he uh, gets out of his car and jumps her and then uh, brutally beats and rapes her. And... Um, yeah, super intense scene and uh, the way it's shot and the, like the, uh, the sunlight, like there's a lot of glare yeah. and, and it's sort of desaturated. It seems very like... Um, it, it, it gave me the sense of a memory or a sort of a flashback or like a, a re, it had a real like sensory experience to it. It was very well done and super uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and midway through the rape or like after the rape, he, he sort of, he, he throws her on the ground and she hits a stick and she well, has to be wounded. Well, what, what happens is that uh, while he's raping her, she, uh, well, well he's, he's trying to, before he starts to rape her, yeah. she looks at him and, and he's in, unable to uh, get his penis erect. So he takes some cloth around her face so that she can't see. Yeah. And after he's done, he's, he walks to the side and she gets up and tries to run away, but she falls down. Um, and hits herself on a, a stick. Yeah, yeah. She gets uh, quite wounded, actually. Yeah. And when he sees this, he's kind of distraught. And uh, he... He, um, he runs to get uh, some uh, some bandages. Yeah. <laughs> like he wants to help. <laughs> yeah. And then he, when he returns, um, she's gone. And uh, eventually, like, the police arrive and um, he gets caught. Yeah. But I think it shows the sort of moral ambivalence of this character. He's not just... A monster. He he does seem to have some sort of sympathetic traits. I mean, he's a monster, but there are some redeeming qualities to him, or well, maybe like he, he he's not. And throughout the movie, I think he's portrayed in a sort of ambivalent light. Like he's definitely a, a troubled and and sort of um, tragic character. But yeah, I mean that's the um, that's the project of the movie. 
It's you, you take a character that you initially really dislike uh, and you kind of um, treat him with a, a certain amount of empathy and understanding so that uh, you... <laughs> as as problematic as it sounds that you're put in the place where you feel for and with him even though he's deeply problematic and uh, repulsive yeah i think that that might sound more problematic than it is in this movie because it's not actually i don't know if it's shown like specifically like the empathy just comes from really going down into the details of his life and showing the sort of uh, the loneliness, the bleakness of his well, day-to-day routine. Well, he really routine. wants to reform. Yeah, I mean, he's he's. It does uh, seem that way. He's he. I mean, um, I get. I guess they say the verdict for for his rape. He's not sent to prison. He's sent to an uh, institution because he's supposedly not mentally. Uh, yeah, the doctors felt he was ill, not mm. just some uh, psychopath. Yeah, uh, and um, as as he he starts to re reintegrate into society he um he wants to function as a normal person uh but he uh, says that during uh, the he, he gets a job interview uh, his friend sasha gets him a job at a, mm. a printers yeah and uh at the job interview sarah says uh, i want to be a role model for for integrating into society i want to you know redeem myself mm. anyway. and, you, and you see him working at that and um, but you see him struggling too like he's yeah uh, He's masturbating a lot. He's like uh, he's he's watching women a lot. Yeah, and he's, he and pretty early on he, he talks to Sasha, who, who is at this point his social worker. But they become more more like buddies. And he says, like, I have these urges, and they're they're kind of dormant in me. And I, uh, for now, I can keep it under control, but I'm worried about its impact on my life. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's gradually. I mean, obviously, he's not a, a man who's uh, used to talking to women and uh, uh, checking them up. Uh, yeah, he, he he's sort of a sad and pathetic character. He, he, he you see him like go to restaurants, mm-hmm. try to you know make contact with women, goes to clothing stores. He's, he just seems like a bit of a sad sack. Yeah, character. And um, he's not used to verbalize his emotion. He doesn't really have the tools for discussing his problems very well. I think. Or yeah, talking and, it about do, his and it does seem like he just he, he there's this. Uh, void within him he doesn't seem to be able to connect like he and it's tied into sexuality too like um he goes to a nightclub and he doesn't feel anything and the Mm. only time he feels anything like sexually it Mm. seems is when he's alone and can you know use his fantasy to create these sort of scenarios in which i assume like they're connected with, with violence like violence and sex does seem to be connected in his head and that makes it extremely difficult for him to uh, become a normal person in society. Like, he, he he does feel like there's this distance between him and uh, women hmm. that he has a real hard time bridging that gap. Yeah. Is how I read that, anyway. Yeah, and you see him in a lot of mundane um, day-to-day situations, like going into the shop, buying food, eating at a restaurant, uh, taking the underground trains... And um, it feels very lonely. Yeah, and it has—it's really tense. Often, it has this uh, uh, um, kind of like <laughs> all scenes are um, filled with a, a certain uncertainty because you know he's—he's he's a, a problematic character, and seeing him interact with the normal things, it has a. Um, there's a real tension there. Yeah. And I think that cuts to the core of this movie. It is because it starts with a rape and you know he's a rapist and he has that past. It's sort of, it, it, it sets the table for the tension in the movie because even though he, like from that point on, there's a lot of just normal scenes, seemingly normal scenes, mm. but you're always thinking like, is he going to do it again? Is, mm. is something going to happen? Like, mm. what's going to happen? And I think... Um, I think the main character also feels that tension. Like, yeah. am I going to be able to control mm. these urges? Yeah. You know, actually, I thought a bit about while watching this because, um, like I said, he doesn't verbalize very much. There's not a lot of dialogue in this film. But you have a lot of these scenes where he's sitting and, and thinking and you can tell that there's a lot of, like, inner monologue or something going on. Uh, and it's kind of like the opposite of a book 
Right? Yeah. In a book, you'd have a, a, a person's inner monologue front and center. But here you can just see the traces of him, uh, traces of that through him sitting there. and, and <laughs> Yeah, you can sort of imagine there being a monologue. Like if it was a book, you'd have this long yeah. monologue, but yeah. this is the movie, just you don't see it. You yeah. can imagine it yeah, taking but place. You can, kind of, you can feel it. You can feel the presence of him working and feeling very strongly. And uh, Yeah, totally. It, it, it works very yeah. well. Um, and like uh, we discussed it a bit before recording this, that mm. it's a long movie, but it doesn't feel that long. Yeah, yeah. It, it does have a way of grabbing your attention. And, mm. and, and the tension uh, between the normalcy and his previous actions, I think, mm. really... Uh, highlight that yeah and uh, i mean it's almost three hours long and then um, the tension builds and towards the end it's really intense and gut-wrenching and so so hard and painful and you just feel so ambivalent yeah. you're kind of really torn to bits uh by the uh by the end there the uh, acting is incredibly nuanced yeah, and, yeah. and it has to be because there's not a lot there's so little dialogue that you have to really focus on the the micro movements and of the faces and the sort of uh, 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 body language and interconnection between the characters yeah as far as i understand the the actor jürgen vogel he spent a lot of time researching this role uh getting into the the character um and you can tell i mean he's the body language is really good. Like in the first initial scene, uh, as when he plays a young man, he's yeah. um, he's much he's restless in his movements. He's kind of heavy and panting. And I love some of the yeah. details. Like when he when he's about to get out of yeah. the car, yeah. he, there's a moment there where he hesitates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he just he, he he's he's about to open the door, but then he doesn't for a little while. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. He's, he's, teetering on the edge there he's, he's on the brink mm. of doing something and he might not do it but then he does it like yeah. and i think the the title uh free will you know it's it's really central to this movie there's a lot of moments in this movie where he makes a choice mm. he uses his will to to either go to that that dark side of of uh, you know antisocial behavior mm. rape sexual uh, assault or he chooses to stay within the framework of normal society. Yeah, I mean, the point is his struggle, you know, his struggle with free will. Is he capable of uh, using free will to function? Yeah, it's sort of the, the, the it's free will versus his innate urges. And uh, that, yeah, that battle is just... Psychic dysfunction. Yeah, that, that battle is just constantly taking place mm. uh, under the surface. Yeah. Which, uh, which is why the sort of normal and tedious and, uh, n you know, long drawn out sequences of uh, normal uh, normal life work. Because you, you, you have this sense all the time that there's so much going on under the surface. Yeah. Uh, and not just with the main character, Theo. Uh, I think also with, uh, with Nettie. Yeah, there's absolutely. There's so much going on. Yeah, with the her, there's, there's a lot of implied history that isn't uh, directly communicated. Um, like with the father and stuff? Yeah, because she has a problematic relationship with her father, who's, who's Theo's boss. That's how they meet initially. She's just at the workplace. And uh, he's, the, the mother is, is probably dead, it seems. Uh, and um, he's really overbearing and quite you know, emotionally manipulative and uh, one a, of the early pathetic, scenes... Pathetic, honestly. Yeah, yeah, he's very pathetic. And one of the early scenes between uh, Nettie and her father, he, she just says, I can't take this anymore, you're too controlling. I'm going to leave now, I'm going to walk out and we're never going to talk again. Um, yeah, and, 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 you, and like that seems like a brutal reaction mm. to just him being sort of pathetic yeah. and nobody loves me and stuff like that. Yeah. But, but there's this sense, like you say, that there's a history there. Yeah, That's then, sort of... But it's been building up to yeah. that. It's it's there's a lot of implied storytelling with her, uh, yeah. and um, she she also struggles to function well in society. Uh, yeah, she has this scene later on where she has a silent scream, where she just wants to let out, and she just you can just see her face contorting, and it's uh, quite strong. Yeah, it's it's actually brilliant. I think uh, she's she's super good in this movie. I think maybe she's the. I think that's maybe the. The strongest uh, acting performance is her. She has some just some um, 
some screams. Like there's a scene where um, Theo confronts her and, and uh, sort of cops to the rapes he's done. And because he wants to... Uh, he, he he doesn't handle the, the normal life anymore. Yeah, because what happens is that they establish a relationship and things seem to be going better and then um, he has a fit of jealousy where he kind of has a uh, relapse and uh, uh, after that he, he confronts her about his, uh, his past and his relapse. and uh, It's he, horrible. Yeah, that that is a hurtful scene. It's super intense, and uh, Sabine Timotheo yeah. plays Natty. Yeah. The, like the scream she yeah. does there in that scene is just heart wrenching. Yeah, it's yeah. so realistic. Um, um, and also but, the, yeah. the 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 throughout the movie she she has some great performances mm. and, and some intense scenes. Um, the scene before where uh, Theo uh, does relapse and he he rapes a woman. Mm. Uh, it's interesting. He, it sort of seems like a, a crime of opportunity. Mm. It do, it's not planned out, but, mm. but it's, mm. like you said, sort of... Because he's jealous, right? And he, it seems like he, he uses that as an excuse to well, go I, back to his... I, 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 you know, because before in the film, you've had these scenes where he's been following women a little bit, sitting on the tube and just walking up, and sometimes maybe checking them up, but right. not but mostly just looking at them in the distance, following them around a bit, and at one point actually walking into a woman's apartment and looking at her in the bed, although not acting it out, but yeah, definitely right. <laughs> very uncomfortable. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. like, emotionally, that's a bit of a throwback to the first scene where yeah. he's sort of teetering on the edge of of, of doing uh, doing something horrible. Mm. This time, he pulls back from the brink. Yeah, because um, uh, what happens is that... Um, they uh, Nettie and Thea kind of like establish a relationship and um, uh, she calls one evening and says that she'll be out with her mates from work Yeah, and, and she doesn't know when she'll be back and she's obviously drunk and he is not really equipped to handle that. He's really frustrated uh, and uh, has nowhere to put his emotions and as he goes out, he walks around and he's really frustrated and he just sees a woman parking a car in sort of a lock garage and yeah. just in the brink moment thing, he just walks in Yeah, and... Uh, he sees his opportunity, like, yeah. oh, wow, I have this opportunity. I'm going to take it right now. Yeah. I'm not sure if he is jealous. Like, I'm not sure if that's in his, in, in his nature. I think when that, when that happens, because it doesn't seem like it's been going on. It's, it seems like almost the first time she goes out and has drinks yeah, with someone. Absolutely. And I and I think that sort of implies that when that happens, he sort of sees how abnormal he is. Like he he faces his abnormality. That's how I sort of felt during that scene. Like he he's saying, okay, this this life of of being a normal human in a relationship obviously isn't cut out for me because this this just feels weird or I can't. Well, well, cope it obviously with it. causes a problem for him that she's out there yeah. with her friends and he's not part of that. And uh, he, he's incapable of relating to yeah. kind of a normal situation that most people. You might feel a bit disappointed that you couldn't be there, but uh, yeah. you'd you'd know how to handle that. Like a normal normally, person. you you might have a conversation with your girlfriend mm. about it, or mm. or like. But even that would seem controlling because mm. she hasn't done anything wrong at all. Mm. So, uh, but he doesn't even do that. He just sort of. Mm. Uh, retreats from his normal life and just mopes around and 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 rape someone uh on the spur of the moment like that's yeah that's his it seems like his his nature uh, and i'm not sure if i agree with the uh, sort of uh, how human nature or his his uh, abnormalities is portrayed in this movie because to me it seems like the director wants to show that it's sort of inevitable you can't escape well, that's one of my issues with the film. And actually, I mean, I like the title, The Free Will. Yeah. It's very suitable because it makes a set of mind, but it's kind of disingenuous because, like, the film plot, like, as in very many films, particularly horror films, I should say, uh, have a deterministic uh, perspective. Like, uh, it, there is a set point and you cannot escape it. Like, that's the rules of the game, so to say. And yeah. this definitely has that. I mean... Um, 
perceivably there's no point where this could have had a happy ending for Theo. Perhaps if there'd been like an institution uh, helping him after he was released. Uh, there's, they alluded to that earlier that um, he's not really getting the help he needs from his social. Yeah, he loses his friend, and that's sort of a yeah, a and, big blow to him. Yeah. There's uh, a lot of things you, they probably could have done to help him, but just him on his own, there's no way he could have uh, developed. Uh, apparently, um, yeah, that's so. that's uh, that's the sense you get from this movie yeah. that it's just inescapable yeah. that he has this tragic ending, and I don't think, and I don't agree with that sort of um, with that assessment. I, well, in the movie, I do agree because mm. it's apparent, but I don't. I, it's a bit, it's uh, a bit simple. I think. Yeah, I think there's something cynical about calling it the free will and then not. A- uh, applying a principle of free will to your film. <laughs> yeah, right, uh, right. I mean, it's... Um, I mean, it clearly wants to, at some level, explore a concept of free will, but it doesn't really allow properly for the possibility of him functioning well in society. Yeah. It's, I like the title and I like the movie, but I, I think, honestly, you could probably have I've chosen a better title for the movie because, if you're, like you say, if you're going to call it uh, free will, yeah. then that better be central to the plot. And, well, I mean, uh, it is central, and, and it is one of the initial things that you will f- be thinking about throughout the film. It's just, uh, <laughs> it just yeah, feels well, a bit disingenuous. Yeah, you do think about it, but uh, in large part, I think it's because of uh, the title, of course. Yeah. Now, there is, there is definitely uh, moments in the movie which really pertain to the free will aspect mm. of it, but I don't know. You know, ultimately, the free will doesn't matter. You you can't escape it. You you can, well, you can choose to uh, go out the way he did. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm conflicted about the movie, uh, though. I do think it's a good movie. Well, I uh, well, I really like it. Um, and there are, there are things that I am ambivalent towards. There is a specific scene uh, where. After Theo has confronted Nettie, uh, then he leaves and um, she finds out about one of his previous victims and she confronts her. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. uh, That was... And uh, which is a very inappropriate thing to do, of course, and she gets really upset. uh, But it kind of escalates into a scene where Nettie goes into the bathroom stall of a restaurant where she met her and the other woman attacks her in the stall and uh, forces her like a toilet plunger. Yeah, she sexually assaults her. Yeah. And I think that's... Well, that's an extreme reaction and it just feels kind of out of place. But what's even worse to me is that it doesn't really have a really effect on Nettie. I mean, uh, she's already really distraught, but like it doesn't... It doesn't really have a proper impact on her character leading on. And it just feels like a malplaced thing that you put in there. I mean, it's uncomfortable, but what does it mean? What does it say? It feels a bit superfluous to me and, you know, exploitative, perhaps. I agree. I have two problems with it. I think, number one, it doesn't serve the movie in any way. No. I don't think it serves the movie. It it makes it... It feels a bit unfocused to even have it there, Mm. plot-wise, or it, it, it doesn't fit in the movie, I think... Uh, but number two, I think, is even worse, and that's the the implication that a victim of sexual assault would like that woman. Mm. It, it sort of takes her from a, a um, being a victim to being a sexual assaulter. And uh, I'm not saying that that doesn't happen in real life. I mean, obviously, a lot of victims of, like, say, childhood sexual assault mm. go on to be sexual assaulters. Like, there's a connection there. But in this instance. Uh, there are so many women that get sexually assaulted and raped and sort of putting the one victim we see after mm. like um, she's been raped and putting her into this position of of, of doing that to yeah. another woman. Like it, it feels weird. Yeah, it feels very strange. And uh, I mean, dissonant with the tone of the movie otherwise. Yeah. I, I didn't. I, I mean, didn't I, I appreciate like the idea that she's, you know, she, you want to express her frustration and anger and yeah. hate towards, and you want to take the pain out of on somebody else. Yeah. Like I, I, just you, the way you, they do it, it's just, yeah. it just feels 
off to me. I don't know. Maybe you could have done it in a better way. Yeah. And it like, doesn't I don't think that scene works. No, and I mean it, it works in a sense. Yeah, no, it it feels off. And yeah. if if you're gonna do something like that, it has to have an impact on the character. And that the way that it doesn't, it just feels strange. Yeah, mm. like at least mm. if you're going to do that incredibly mm. weird and uncomfortable mm. scene, yep. then at least make it have a real impact on the mm. character it involves. Like yeah. afterwards, it's just brushed off. Yeah, yeah. And and she sort of ends up being more sympathetic towards Theo. Yeah. I feel like yeah. <laughs> that's. It's really weird. Oh, yeah. So that, that's one. That's my main issue with this film. Um, one of the things I, I really love about this film is its physicality. I started talking about it earlier about like uh, uh, the uh, um, Jürgen Vogel's acting in the the first part yeah. where he's kind of brutish and uh, uncomfortable and uh, heavy and um, restless. Yeah, and you, he really feels like a young man. Yeah, and when he comes out, his body language is much more mature, much more controlled. Yeah. Um, and it has a lot of scenes where physicality plays a big role. That's uh, like one of the first uh, dates between Theo and Nettie. Um, uh, she, uh, he's invited her to his uh, karate classes. Or, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if it's karate. Is it karate? I think it's karate. Yeah. Um, and um, it's, they're just doing this. Uh, he, he's teaching her. She's never done it before. They're just doing this simple thing where he places his hands on her neck, she uh, pushes them away and punches him, and she does, and he does the same to her, kind of light punching. And they start doing this, and she's a bit awkward, and it slowly escalates into this really intense thing where she's pushing harder, punching uh, uh, several times, and then has a um, uh, breakdown. Yeah, and goes into the. Um, and then storms into the wardrobe area. Yeah, yeah it, it's a it's a great scene. You really, really feel the tension in her. Yeah. Like she has a lot of tension and aggression in her yeah. that she wants to get out of her yeah. system. Uh, and she, she she it's like she's surprised that she's doing it. Even. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, one thing I was thinking about is you know the implied history between her and her yeah. father. Mm. Like I I sort of feel like there might have been uh, some some uh, some rape or sexual assault, some some something there because. There, there's a, a thing you know where um, a lot of times you sort of seek out. Well, um, it's a trope in movies anyway, where you seek out a partner that's uh, similar to your parents. Mm. Like that's mm. often a theme. And yeah, I mean, lo- a lot of people do in real life. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, after after she she finds out about Theo, she goes to her father, and there's this really weird scene where they're like, uh, she she sort of calls back to her dad and, you know, wants to, I don't know, apologize, but, you know, be taken back into the fold yeah. and they're, like, dancing while mm. she's crying yeah, and he seems and really kind of, yeah. weird. Like, there's mm. some there's some uneasiness there, mm. uh, which I, uh, I think is well done and it, it, it creates a very, I don't know, realistic... Um, Touch to the character. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of implied history, and this this karate scene as well. Just the frustration built up in her, you can sense that there's some sense of physical or at least psychological uh, uh, abuse in her past, where she's, yeah, she's uh, been wronged in some way. Yeah, and she's kind of um, letting it out through these uh, karate moves and the yeah and, it, uh, it reminds me of the there's another scene where she's just moved out from her father and yeah. she's being helped to like there's two friends of her or something mm. that help her move out mm. and one of them is her ex apparently yeah and he's like hey want to go on a date and she's like no and there's like seemingly a pretty mm. normal scene but yeah. it's incredibly tense because yeah. of the way it's acted the body language yeah. of her in particular yeah. uh it's because he's he's kind of uh, languishing, hanging about, not yeah. sure if he should go or push on, and she's really uneasy with his. Uh, yeah, it also f- it's like I could yeah. read that yeah. as he's done something to her yeah. in the past too, uh, yeah. and her body language in general, she's very uptight. Yeah, like sh- her shoulders are like mm. high and and close, and mm. and she seems really, yeah, she's she's experienced some things, it, like that's the way 
But I really it like that, it, that it's only implied. That oh, there's, yeah. a, there's a lot of history in this film that's before that's not explicitly told. Because in very many films I feel like the urge would be to just make things very clear what's going on so that you can understand and relate. But it works a lot better this way because you you get into them emotionally very strongly, I think. Yeah, I think you buy into it more. I think you'd lose a lot of um, the impact of it if you were more overt about it, mm. which I feel would be super easy to do, like go overtly into the history and have them talk about it. or like. But mm. the fact that it's just implied and implied so well through... Mm body language mostly mm. i think that's a really brilliant touch in this mm. movie mm. yeah like and these um violence in this film is done so well uh, <laughs> this scene where he's um attacking the cyclists yeah it's just clumsy and slow and she, i mean the stunt person who plays the cyclist it looks yeah. like she got really hurt like her face is kind of smashed into the uh yeah it looks, it looks super realistic um, and, and like clumsy and yeah other other situations with violence that they're not they don't look good they look kind of lumpy and uh <laughs> slow and uh and heavy you know yeah it's, it's it's not it's not guy Ritchie violence it's really it's more it reminds me of uh when there's violence in um in uh like uh, korean movies yeah there's often there's this sense of clumsiness yeah. uh, and uh, haphazardness yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, just uh, unplannedness of it all. Yeah, it seems a bit random and there's something very much more immediate about it. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it feels da- more dangerous and, as you say, unpredictable. Um, yeah, and it's also like drawn out, mm, like you, you yeah. see before and after. It's not just yeah. the violence. Yeah. yeah. Like the scene after he, he relapses and rapes this woman in a garage. Yeah. He can't get out, yeah. so he sort <laughs> of has to go back and rummage through our pockets to get the opener, and it's it's kind of drawn out. And I think that's it's really well done. Mm. It adds to the uneasiness and and uh, horrificness of it. The the sort of uh, the normal the normalcy yeah, of the scenes afterward. Yeah, the, the mundane mundanity of it afterwards mm. really sells the hor- horror. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's it's. Tense on a lot of levels, mm. and uh, I really appreciated that about this movie. Yeah, and it has it kind of like um, a dogma vibe to it, like it's shot on video. I think I'm not yeah. sure. I had, didn't check out the. Um, I do like the way it's shot. I think it's very raw, but mm. it's not ugly. It's, no, no, no. It's, be- it's well it's composed. Beautiful. Uh, and. You know, sometimes they use... Uh, it's, it's handheld mostly. Yeah. And um, in certain scenes uh, where you're meant to feel bad, the camera kind of shakes a bit extra. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's effective. It is effective and it's it's well done, the movement, the camera movement. is always on point, I think. Mm. Um, sometimes it's more more still, sometimes mm. it moves more and, and it's generally uh, in connection to what's happening. Mm. And uh, yeah, it, I think it flows really well. Yeah. Uh, it also has this, like I mentioned earlier, it feels like a very lonely movie. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, a like it's, it, it has a great sense of atmosphere mm-hmm. and it also, like some of the city shots remind me a bit of, uh, Christiana F, mm-hmm. the sort of lonely European sense of NUI and, and uh, estrangement. Mm. Um, I uh, like it. Yeah, I also like a lot of the choices they make. Uh, I mean, mostly you follow Theo and then in some scenes you follow Nettie and um, towards the end, uh, after he's confronted her, you mainly follow Nettie and she uh, eventually finds out where he is because he's left and then uh, you see him from a distance a lot of the time. Yeah, she so, follows him yeah. like a sort of private investigator. Yeah, almost. well, she's, she's kind of stalking him the way he stalked uh, other people before. Yeah, um, I, I kind of, yeah. I got the feeling that she sort of wanted to catch him in the act yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, she, she wants to observe him from a distance and see who this guy is. The, and she does also see a very strongly implied rape. She doesn't actually see the rape, she sees her, him following another woman and then walking out. And she can, she just feels so bad about yeah, that. Yeah, she, she nearly uh, alerts the police. Yeah, yeah. But then doesn't. Yeah, she, she goes over to alert them, then just stops herself, and then, uh, yeah, yeah, she's deeply she, conflicted. She uses her free will to not 
not say anything. Yeah, she's <laughs> deeply conflicted. And um, you know, actually, one of the uh, the, the thing that's re- things that are really nice about this film as well is they um, when they initially start a relationship properly, because because uh, they kind of start out with this karate thing and they yeah. have these sort of dates. Uh, and you feel that like there's a connection there, some potentiality, but then she gets a job offer somewhere else, so she leaves. Yeah, she goes to Belgium to work yeah. at a chocolate factory, cho- chocolatier. Yeah, uh, and after a while, he um, follows her, shows up there, and she's a bit skeptical at first, but then you know they start uh, creating a, a proper relationship. And a lot of these scenes are really nice. Like you have this, they go to the IKEA and look for furniture. Uh, and uh, there's a scene in um, the bathtub where they're laying next to each other and yeah, talking about it. Super, like an intimate and, and affectionate moment. Yeah. Where she's, they she's talking, both seem like so normal. Yeah. Like a just normal couple. Yeah. Yeah. And she, she's talking about how her breasts have always looked old. <laughs> yeah. And she's he's arguing about that. And just these very. Seems so normal. Yeah. And it's it's quite touching, really. And that's when you start to feel like the potentiality of her. A brighter future. Um, yeah. And, uh, I mean, I expect that anyone listening at this point will have seen it already, but as uh, we should talk about the ending. Yeah. Uh, it's very effective, I think, because um, uh, while she's going around and stalking him, uh, at some point she gets into his hotel room where he's living and she sees uh, the bathtub is full and there's a razor blade lying next to it. Yeah. Uh, and she gets, she gets really distra- distraught and then goes away uh, to do something else and um, kind of loses it a bit and goes back, uh, you know, to try and save his life, uh, apparently. Uh, then the razor blade is gone, the bathtub is empty, and um, she goes back to a location she's seen him before at a, at a beach. And he's sitting there... Uh, and she goes up next to him, and um, yeah, he uh, he, he has his, the razor blade. Yeah, he has the razor blade, and he, and he slits his wrist at this point. Yeah, and, and then she just sort of cradles him while he's dying. Yeah, yeah. I I thought the ending was was good and uh, atmospheric and sad. One thing that sort of struck me though is that I I just didn't quite understand why she was so empathetic towards him after the revelation. Um, Because you don't really see that many redeeming qualities about Theo, even though you follow him and you sort of feel for him. talking about after he reveals his uh, rapes? Yeah. Uh, Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, even though he he is presented as as a monster, uh, he's also easy to empathize with in a lot of ways. I mean, he, he is uh, he is likable in a lot of ways, I think. Like, as a, he has a um, fragility to him and uh, a, a vulnerability. Uh, and I, 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 I certainly have no hard... I don't have any difficulty in believing her relationship with him and her affection and... Um, yeah, I, I did a bit. I did a bit. Like towards the end, I just what what why is she so in love with this guy? He's 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 not like he's sort of charming, but not really. And you like you, I mean, there's I, I don't think charming, there's there, I don't think there's a lot of scenes where you sort of see any real redeeming qualities in him. Like he does karate and works out, and I don't know. He's he's like almost a non-entity in his own life. Um, okay, so well, I didn't I, have that experience at all. Really. No, but like I. To to an extent, like I, I didn't find their their romance unbelievable. Mm. I just found it a bit strange towards the end, like after she oh, really? knows all about his rapes and stuff. That well, she I mean, obviously she's deeply conflicted, and uh, I feel like she really wants to understand how it's possible for someone she's grown attached to to act in such a way. Uh, yeah, I agree with that, but uh, I'm not I'm not saying it's totally unbelievable or anything. I just mm. I. I thought a bit about it, you know. Yeah. I I felt very ambivalent about the ending, mostly because I am so disgusted 
and also invested in the character of Theo and yeah. seeing her suffering through him murdering himself. Yeah. She kind of um, she's suffered so much already. You know? Yeah, and and she um, what's the word? She um, she submits to like the deterministic fate where he has to die. Yeah. Uh, she 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 sees him taking out the razor blade and starts to cut himself. She doesn't actually physically try to stop him, which she could have done supposedly. Uh, she just uh, yeah, she doesn't do anything. She just succumbs she turns, to it. Yeah, she succumbs to like the the tragedy. Yeah, uh, I was also thinking like at some level she might think it's best for him to not live and yeah. terrorize women all his life. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, so there is like there are some multiple levels to the ending, and it's. And it is heartbreaking. Yeah, gut-wrenching. Yeah, and again, uh, Sabina acts the role so well. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think they both act really well, actually. Yeah. 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 yeah, they're both great. I mean, if you had casted some different characters, that some different actors, I, it could easily have become a much worse movie. Oh, yeah. It, it relies so heavily on yeah. their talent yeah, to yeah. sell the, the plot in the movie. And I think Matthias Glasner has uh, collaborated with uh, Jürgen Vogel quite a lot, actually. Oh yeah, yeah. I've seen his name on a lot of the films, so I haven't seen them. Yeah, he's quite famous in Germany. Um, uh, like a character actor, uh, and he's he he really sells the character. Like this character, like you can like <laughs> I even like look at his face, and he sort of looks like a relapsed sex offender, just because of the he, he looks so guilty all the time. Mm. Like he looks so sad and guilty and lonely. Mm. Conflicted. Looks yeah, very conflicted. conflicted. But at the same time, like you do feel empathy, but at the same time, you are appalled at mm. his actions. So there's there's a yeah, like I said, like multiple levels of tension throughout the movie, and it's super well executed mm. for the most part. Yeah. So uh, yeah, great movie actually. Great movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, sadly, like not like. I don't think it's talked about enough. No, it's you know a lot of there's a lot of these really good films that do well on festivals and then kind of drop off a bit. And if you didn't see them at a festival, you're probably not going to find it on a Netflix or anything. Yeah. And uh, this one is really worthwhile checking out. You know, it's such a strong, powerful movie that deals with so many themes. I think a lot of people. Um, uh, a lot more people would appreciate this than have the opportunity to see it. Yeah, certainly. It deserves more attention. Mm. I think uh, a lot of people would, would enjoy this movie, even though it's brutal and heart-wrenching. Yeah. Enjoy and at the same time not enjoy. It's uh, very ambivalent, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Some people are also quite disgusted and angered by this film, and you can understand that. Yeah, like like I do yeah. feel some of those emotions yeah. watching it, but but it's not like Salo where I often question the, <laughs> the reason for it. No. Uh, I like I, I do feel like there's always a reason here, even if it's misguided in, in the the one scene. Well, I, I like as a whole. I don't think mm. uh, I don't I don't really question the integrity yeah. of this movie. I my, talking to other people, I've sometimes had the impression that just the project of empathizing with the rapist or the monster. Um, is problematic. Uh, that is a, a di- difficult uh, yeah. proposition for a lot yeah. of people. Yeah. Like uh, it's understandable, but I, I like the idea that it, it approaches uh, this character with a certain amount of empathy. Yeah, it it's unusual for a lot of like crime movies and and movies that deal with crime mm. to not necessarily empathize overtly, but at least sort of uh, make you see the regularness of a human life, of a human that does horrible things. Yeah. And, and makes I, you confront it. Yeah, I think that's really important. And, like, the problem with a category of a monster is that it's it's like a, a fictional thing that you can't really believe. Yeah. And if you think that rapists are just monsters, then you wouldn't possibly believe that someone you knew was a rapist. Or exactly. The it, moment that you learn that they, they are, are there, people. Yeah, I mean, it's it's monstrous and disgusting and hurtful, but... I mean, there are actually people that, 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 I mean, trying to relate to them is very hard and difficult, but mm. I think it's also a, 
important like for society to build and grow yeah it's it also like it touch like it, it it touches in my mind on on the like punishment versus rehabilitation and those sort mm. of themes um I think in a realistic situation, I think Theo could have been rehabilitated with a good enough infrastructure and yeah. system in place to sort of integrate him. He he's, he is on his own once he's left the institution, I feel. Yeah, yeah. There are several scenes where he tries to reach out uh, to Sasha or others, and there's, there's not really anything to help him. No, there's only Sasha, and he sort of drops up the... He, dro- he goes off to Berlin after yeah. a while because he's fired. But I mean, even as he's there, he's more there more as a, a buddy. Yeah. He's there's a situation where uh, Theo. He's not a professional helper. No. There's a situation where Theo calls him, and says, uh, uh, "Sasha, I'm having a problem. I'm feeling the urges. They're building up inside. I don't know what to do." And um, Sasha is kind of in a like a, a buddy situations with uh, in a buddy situation with uh, other people, uh, and uh, not really able to respond very well. Not able to respond very well, and um, says, uh, "You know, sorry, man, I can't really help you. Um, just try not to think about it, or something. Just like a practical advice that's completely useless for Theo." Yeah, it's useless when you have that pathology because he's not a normal person. Mm. He he really has yeah. some difficult urges inside him that yeah. he has to deal with. I guess he he, he says just like uh, go ask out the woman. Yeah, <laughs> like he's just some normal guy, yeah, and it's yeah. just you know go live a little. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> He probably would have needed a fair bit of therapy and a support network to to help him. A lot. Yeah. Uh, even if he really, really, really wants to function. Yeah, I think he, he'd still need supervision and, mm. uh, you know, someone to touch base with him and, and uh, a real professional that mm. knows what they're doing. Not just Sasha, who's me as well, but yeah. all they do are just like uh, go to karate lessons and, and mm. work out together. Yeah. And, and of course, social interaction is incredibly important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's less lonely through Sasha. Yeah. And you kind of get the feeling that in the start of the movie that he's a he's a loner, like he's an aggressive loner that's uh, isolated. Yeah, total misfit. Yeah. Um, but, but you get the sense that with Sasha, like... Imagine if he had a therapist additionally mm. to Sasha. Like, I, I feel like he would be on the edge of mm. making those right choices through yeah. his uh, freie Wille, his yeah. free will. Or dealing, <laughs> or knowing how to work through the urges when they arrive. Yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting. It touches on those things, though. It, yeah. it does, and it does make you think. Mm. So, yeah, I think it's super well done. So, Svare, do you have an unpleasant recommendation for us? <clears throat> yeah, I do, actually. Surprisingly enough. All right. Uh, for this segment. Um, my recommendation uh, this episode is a book, actually, by J.R.R. Tolkien, surprisingly <laughs> really? enough. Um, it was released in 2007, uh, and it's written by Tolkien, uh, but put together and edited by son Christ- Christopher Tolkien. Yeah, because this is uh, quite a few years after... J.R. Tolkien died. Yeah, he died in 73, I believe. Mm. Um, and this book came out in, in 2007. Now, this, the story in this book has been released before in a much briefer version mm. in uh, The Silmarillion. Yeah. And then later in the early 80s, uh, in Unfinished Tales, there's a longer version of this. And uh, this, this, this book is basically a synthesized version of, of those two and some previous manuscripts and stuff. Uh, and it's super interesting. It's one of the few stories Tolkien ever wrote that deals with humans, almost solely humans. Okay. And specifically human suffering and human tragedy and, and what it means to be human. Uh, and it's if you only read The Lord of the Rings or even The Hobbit or even <laughs> the Silmarillion almost, uh, because mm. this version is so short, you don't really get the full scope of it. It is shockingly brutal and shockingly tragic. Oh, really? Oh, what's it called? It's called The Children of Hurin, mm. uh, or the Narn Ihin Hurin, as uh, it's called. Um, it's about a human called Turin Turambar. And uh, his father was previously captured by basically... Uh, Sauron in The Lord of the Ring 
his boss was Morgoth earlier, yeah. the Silmarillion. And he catches his father, Hurin. And basically, because Hurin dares to oppose him, he curses his entire, entire family line, which leads to a lot of horrific uh, things, basically, for his son. Now, his son is this uh, great warrior, but he's a super tragic figure. Because okay. almost everything that happens to him yeah. is so fucking tragic oh, really? and so brutal. I, I won't go into a lot of specifics about it. Just to say that if you thought Tolkien only wrote like black and white morality, uh, simple sto- simple epic stories, then y- you should read this because it really it's incredibly incredibly rich. Like it it leads to a lot of questions about just um, humanity, choices, fate, um, what what it means to be human. Basically, mm. our our fates, our our mortality. And what what we can do in the face of suffering. It has a lot of like horrific elements that you'd never think would be in a talking book, like incest and oh. and uh, child uh, children dying and stuff like that. It's really? like um, it's just it's not a pleasant read. It's a super sad read. It's a super unpleasant read. It's just incredibly tragic, incredibly poetic, uh, and I think everyone should that thinks of Tolkien as a simple fantasy writer should should really give this a yeah. read. It's it's just wonderful. It's been on my radar for a while. I haven't actually read it, but as far as I've understood it, it's recognized as uh, one of his greater works and uh, it's an incredibly important story to him. It's always like been there in his over his sort of world buildings. Like it's one of the stories he's carried with him and has him had in many variations throughout his sort of personal uh, mythology work it's it, it's always been incredibly important to Tolkien and that's interesting because most of his stories nearly all, all his stories uh, revolve around either, either elves or you know hobbits in the case of the hobbit and yeah. the lord of the rings and uh, yeah they're like the fantastical uh, humanoids tend to have a stronger presence than the humans right so why have this story about a human that you always carry with you and mm. It's. I think it's because it, it really talks about Tolkien's views on on mortality, mm. on humanity, and it's incredibly powerful work. I think. So, but is it like? Um, is it about several generations of the legacy? No, it's or is about. It a single it's character? about. It's about specifically the life of Turin Turambar, which okay. is the son of Hurin, uh-huh. and his family. Mm. Uh, throughout the book, but it's not several generations. It's okay. just basically the tragedy of Turin Turambar. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I won't, I won't say too much beyond that. Oh. Apart from go read it. It's incredibly dark and cool. Sounds really nice. I'm excited about that. Mm. So do you have any recommendations? I do actually. Um, uh, and it's a short, short story. Ooh. Uh, there's an author I'm quite fond of, um, particularly for his short stories, called Paul Bowles. Oh, yeah, yeah. The man uh, himself. <laughs> yeah. And he is an American author, but a lot of his stories take place in uh, the north of Africa, specifically Morocco. And this story is called The Delicate Prey. And it's about these three merchants who travel through, like, uh, um, a troublesome area because uh, they're trying to. Uh, rush through with their merchant wares. It's, there's two brothers and the son of their young sister. The young son of their sister. And uh, then they meet upon a stranger uh, who is kind of shifty-eyed, but uh, seems nice and helpful and uh, at some point offers to go out uh, hunting for them, which is very helpful because they need food and stuff. Um, and then it disappears. Uh, now, it's a really short story. It's very concise. And uh, it starts off, you know, descriptive and gentle. Paul Bowles tends to have kind of like um, detached... Uh, it, I mean, it's... it's the psychology, the psychology is there, but it, it doesn't delve into its characters. It's very observing. Uh, and yeah, I, I totally agree. By the way, uh, Paul Bowles is an amazing uh, author in that sense because like, it, it reminds me of the movie we watched. Actually, the way it observes and doesn't really yeah. specify. Yeah, 
And, uh, you know, I mean, this one doesn't, but a lot of his stories center around, um, like, Americans or Europeans who come to uh, Morocco, like, in the fringes of, like, uh, desert society, and they're kind of naive, they don't really know what they're doing, and they just get mixed up in, like, these really shady, scary, and horrible... I mean, they, they tend to end really horribly. And... Uh, and um, I mean, he, he he has a really he has a distinct cold poetry to him, and um, it's very elegant. I think. His yeah, writing. yeah, very very tightly written, and um, and like this this the delicate prayer, which is also the name of a short story collection. But this specific, really, just a few pages long short story, just as it turns, it becomes. Um, I mean. Yeah, it, it's it's rough. I thought actually I'd read a small passage. Um, nice. So this is um, when the 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 young uh, son of of the merchant's sister has has run away because he's thought something has happened to his uncles, and he returns, and then he gets shot by this stranger, and um, so uh, the stranger the. Um, I, uh, here we go. The man moved and surveyed the young body lying on the stones. He ran his finger along the razor's blade. A pleasant excitement took possession of him. He stepped over, looked down, and saw the sex that sprouted from the base of the belly. Not entirely conscious of what he was doing, he took it in one hand and brought his other arm down with a motion of a reaper wielding a sickle. It was swiftly severed. A round, dark hole was left, flush with the skin. He stared at a moment. He stared a moment, blankly. Driss was screaming. The muscles all over his body stood out, moved. That's so horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, I've read it, but I forget how horrible <laughs> yeah. it really is. <laughs> yeah, and it, it comes kind of as a surprise because as the, as the young man, I mean, he runs away and then he kind of thinks, well, am I being stupid? This is the middle of the desert. I'm sure nothing's happened. Uh, so, because, uh, I mean, at first he just trusts his instinct that there's something really wrong and, and then he goes back and uh, instantly he gets shot from a distance and um, the, just, the story just turns so harshly. Yeah, uh, and um, I really like this short story and uh, another one from the same series called A Distant Episode which is one, one of the more classic Paul Bowles uh, Northern American going to uh, Morocco and just uh, he's, I think it's a linguistic professor it's also if you you should read both I mean you probably could find them online um, or if not just find that collection A Distant Episode um, such Great uh, authorship. Yeah. Probably the most unpleasant stuff I've ever read. In, <laughs> in, uh, what is it with uh, unpleasant uh, American authors and Morocco and <laughs> yeah. Algeria and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Like uh, you have William Burroughs too. Definitely. Just that expat milieu just <laughs> seems to have this sort of darkness to it. Yeah. You know, I, I think um, Paul Bowles is probably a, a generation before uh, uh, William Burroughs. Yeah, they weren't connected as far as I know. Mm. Um, Burroughs was more in the beat sort of scene. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I like he's he's a lot more brutal than a beat uh, generation. Most, well, he's kind yeah. of proto beat in a way. I mean, he's he's uh, he was like a godfather to the beat uh, authors as far I as thought, I understand. Yeah, I think he was sort of proto beat, but then also sort of even even more important after the beats too. Like yeah, yeah. Uh, he even did an album with Kurt Cobain and shit. Like yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he he was he was out there. <laughs> Absolutely, very interesting. Yeah. Definitely someone we should talk about later on as well. Yeah, yeah. I think. But yeah, Paul Bowles. He's. Uh, He's a favorite of mine. Hmm. Yeah, I second that. Just check out that short story. It's hmm. it's really, really, it's good and hard, difficult. Yeah, actually, um, Penguin released a few years ago like a modern classic uh, with uh, a few of his shots. It's called The Delicate Prayer as well. Might be a good place to read it. Cool. Well, I guess that wraps up uh, this episode. So um, I guess we'll see you later. Yeah. In the next episode, uh, what movie are we watching well, next time? Well, next episode is our 10th episode. <laughs> so to celebrate the magical round number, I decided to go for uh, one of my absolutely favorite films overall. And 
one of the absolutely most unpleasant movies, um, and it's called Come and See. So you should, you should come and see. Come and listen to our, <laughs> us talk about that later yeah. on. Well, I guess that's about it for now. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can send us an email at unpleasantmovies at protonmail.com. Perhaps you have a suggestion for a film you think we should look at. Uh, you can also check out our list of unpleasant movies at movie.com. Just go to the movie website and um, uh, check out the list unpleasant movies. There's loads of films there, perhaps you'd like to um, recommend some more. All right, then. Well, see you later. Bye-bye.